0: Life, with all its complexities, it can either be lived or it can be survived. The question is, where do you fall? Now, God's plan for you and I is for us to live life abundantly. But how do we get there? Now, welcome to the podcast. You see, our goal at Live Alive is to encourage, empower, and equip you to live life without limits and discover how to live alive. It's Elder Patrick, and I'm so glad to be with you. Let's spend some time digging into this idea. God, deliver me from people. Jonathan McReynolds has a song that inspired some really serious thought and really left some really left a weight on my mind with this idea of God, deliver me from people. Uh, This is a beautiful song. Y'all go check it out. Y'all go check it out. If I had rights to the song, I'd play it for you. But what I've discovered in digging into this song, God really began to deal with me on what this idea means, because I believe the thought of God delivering me from people is something that each of us have to eventually come through. Be it in our ministries, we got to be delivered from people. On our jobs, we got to learn to be delivered from people in our families, in our finances, in the way we view ourselves. There's always a phase of life where people have left marks on us that we honestly need to be delivered from. And so I want to uh, I just kind of want to pick at this whole thing. I just want to pick at this whole thing and really look at what Jonathan McReynolds opened up in my heart and in my mind as I look at it through scripture. You know, because the reality of it is all of us at some point have had have looked at people in our lives and say, say, God, I can't do no more of them. I can't do no more of her mouth. I can't do no more of his attitude and pride. I can't do no more of his entitlement. I can't do no more of their neediness. We all have those points. And sometimes those points leave too much of a weight too much of a burden, too much of a stain on us and really begin to devolve our evolution and keep us stuck in a place of fragmented hope, fragmented joy, fragmented peace. When John 10, 10, our theme scripture reminds us Jesus came, that we may, might have life and have it more abundantly. Therefore, we got to learn how to be free from people. Yes, we need relationship. Let me be clear. This podcast is not anti-relationship, anti-community. If I was anti-community, I really would be anti-God because God designed us for community. Otherwise, Scripture would never say that the strong bear the infirmities of the weak. The implication is the weakest portion of the community is always upheld by the strongest portion. And so we recognize that we need each other. But what does this whole idea mean about the strong bearing the infirmities of the weak and still having the idea, God deliver me from people. Having been there, uh, God began to deal with me. Yeah, yeah, God began to deal with me because I personally, in my own walk, struggled with viewing myself and attempting to use the lens and, well, actually, attempting to use the words of others to solidify the lens that I view myself with. I often found myself using ministry as a standard uh, for self-worth. I used ministry and I used uh, the accolades of people who observe me flow and operate in my gift as a foundation for hope and confidence in myself. And what I found is when you have a foundation built on people, you set yourself up for utter destruction. And so with that in mind, I kind of want to help you. I want to help me. I want to help us. I want us to know what it's like to be free from people when God delivers us from people. It was interesting when I was kind of wrestling with this after hearing the song, it kind of shook me, stirred in my spirit. And what it really began to stir up was two passages of scripture. Now, I I think we'll get through one today, uh, but we'll give it a shot. Here it is John 4 1 through 26. Y'all know this story, you know it well. It's the story of the woman at the well. Jesus came and was thirsty, came to uh, the wall to the well where the water was at. And uh, the woman was there at an awkward hour. We all understand that she was there at the hour she was with at the one of the hottest points of the day, not because she was foolish, but because she didn't want to deal with people. When you look at her story, you begin to surmise and dig out and extract those truths. Uh, but. Uh, As we look at this thing, I said, God, you got to help me because I know you're a God of community. Why? Why do we need to be delivered from people? And God said, let me let me give you some nuggets, son. I want to show you through scripture what this whole idea means. Number one, God said to me, "In, in order for you to be delivered from people, it first requires you to be delivered from yourself. In order for you, let me say it again. Let me drop it on you again. In order for you to be delivered from people, you number one must be delivered from yourself. Here it is. The deficiency, the issue, the problem, the burden, the impact does not solely lie in them. It lies in us. So when I say this phrase, God deliver me from people, I'm really saying God, deliver me from my damaged places. Deliver me from my unhealthy esteem deliver me from my unhealthy dependencies on people. Deliver me from my need to feed into the negativity of people rather than being mature enough to be grounded in who I am and be solid enough to ignore the negativity of others. God, what we're really saying when we say deliver me from people, we're really saying God, deliver me from me. Not the me that you're designing me to become, but the me that is broken, the me that is depressed, the the me that has low self-esteem, the me that is attached to the accolades of people and only finds worth in those meaningless moments. God, help me deal with me. And so what God did, he flipped the script on me. He said, son, you got to recognize that a lot of us have a tendency to point to outsourced sources for internal issues. Oh, my goodness. We tend to point to outsourced. Outward sources that are merely a reflection of inward issues the, we cannot blame the trigger uh, for what it's done. And if we give away our power and allow the trigger to have the final say in mental health, we talk about things that make you upset are your triggers. But what I, what I've noticed is we never really deal with why does that trigger have the power to control my emotion in the first place? But anyway, that's a whole nother discussion, but I really want us to get over this whole victimized mindset, this victimhood, if you will, uh, of labeling others as the issue and really recognizing the broken places in me that caused me to be manipulated by an environment. God told me I have the power over. And so, number one, if you're taking notes, if you're thinking through it, if you're going to work through this with your boy, you got to understand this thing is about some harsh realities. And what God said to Pat, is Pat in order for me to deliver you from people? I gotta deliver you from yourself. I gotta deliver you from yourself. But when we look at this story, when we look at this. Description of the encounter and the dialogue Jesus had with this woman uh, that was uh, a, a woman of Samaria who did not dialogue with the Jews because of religious uh, occurrences that happened many years ago that transferred into their ideology in that culture that day. And so here we are. Jesus comes and he has this dialogue. And throughout this dialogue, God began to lay out six key changes that must take place for us to be free, not from people, but from ourselves. Yes, this is a part of the process of being free from people, but it's got to start with me. Put your hand on your chest. Say it. Start with me. I got to be delivered from myself. Look at number one. Number one. Let me give this to you. We're coming out of the book of John. We're looking at when you get a chance to sit and read uh, chapter four, verse one through twenty six. John four, one through twenty six. Here it is. This is where the story is. Number one, the first thing Jesus teaches us, it says Jesus said, number one, here's the point. She had to recognize her relational distortions. The woman in the text, when she had this dialogue with Jesus, the first thing she had to do was recognize her relational distortions, relational distortions. uh, Distortions are a twisted perspective or a twisting, a uh, manipulation, a malfunctioning, a misshapen state of something when something is. Uh, Um, when something is distorted, it's not in its true form, not in its true state. And so it is with us is that many of us have what is what I call relational distortions. In other words, we see people and we don't identify them for who they are, but we identify them by what we've been through. We identify them by our pain, by our obstacles. It's like this. You have to understand what you expect in life is formed of two things, your experiences and your exposure. Your experiences is something you went through yourself. Your exposure is something that happened within your view. And so what we have to understand is that a lot of us are living lives that are short of the calling of God for our life because not that God isn't powerful, but the problem is we have relational distortions where we've allowed what we've been through to create a lens over our eyes and gives us a faulty view of others. Let me give you an example. Now, look, I ain't going to get on women alone because brothers, we got our own stuff, too. But one prime example I can come up with is the young lady who says that all men are dogs. What she's doing is she's living based on a relational distortion. She has a distorted view of the whole because of the portion she's been connected to has been so broken and damaged left her damage and now her relational perspective is distorted and she cannot connect with others in a healthy way not because she doesn't want to but because she can't see out of the experience and the exposure she had now she expects everybody to do what was already done to her And so here we are, we have to know that the woman in the text comes to Jesus and the first problem she presents is she has relational distortions. The woman at the well responded to Jesus need. Jesus says to her, can you give me something to drink? He had a real need and her response to Jesus need was her echoing the biased and based uh, segregation that religious practices had infused into the culture of the day. She was correct. The woman was correct. She stated that Sumerian women do not deal with Jewish men, but she could not recognize who Jesus was because the lens of her filter was foggy and distorted because she had relational distortions. And the question for, over to us as the body of Christ, since we're talking about living abundant life, that has to be inclusive of our purpose. The question becomes how many people are coming to the well of the church and they're being turned away because rather than receiving the washing of the word of God, the love of Jesus, the covering in the grace of God, the father, the power of the Holy Spirit, they're being consumed with the manifestation of our relational distortions. We have bias that are cultural. We have bias that are set by gender. We have bias that are set by classes. We have bias that are set by levels of education and who, if who you do know, who you don't know, where you look like you might be from. We have judgments and perceptions of people that are wrapped up in skin tone. We have judgments and perceptions of people that are wrapped up in a negative Experience That we had 10 years ago and we wonder why the body of Christ is so divided. Could it be that we need to really review uh, our relational perspectives and get rid of the relational distortions? It's a sad day in the earth when black folk can't worship with white folk because the black folks music may be too loud for some of the white folk or the white folks music may be too plain and boring for the black folk. Could it be that when we make Jesus Christ the central focus of everything we say and do, whether I like your style of music, I can lift my hands in worship because whether you're telling me how great is our God or you're singing the blood still works, I realize that God is the central focus, but my relational distortions tend to separate me from the brotherhood God is calling me to be bound together. And when this brotherhood comes to Together, we discover strength resources skills and abilities we never would have had on our own the enemy needs us divided with relational distortions race gender Classes, side of town, uh, denominations, uh, whether we believe this or that about the Bible, theological stance. God does not call us to division. God is a God of unity. And where there's unity, there's the freedom of the Holy Spirit to saturate the room with power. We have to get over our relational distortions because. Because in order for us to be used, we have to be available to see beyond the naked eye into the very spirit of God. The woman at the well was messed up because she was focused on her relational distortions, not who she was encountering. She didn't recognize she was talking to the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords being delivered from people means I've got to deal with my relational distortions. Not hide myself in a church that looks like me. Not hide myself on a job where everybody talks the same language I talk. I can't limit myself by my dilemma. But I've got to deal with my relational distortions. Next thing she does, and I'm trying to move quick. I'm already 16 minutes in. She had to recognize false misidentification that led to missed opportunity. We find it in verse 10. She had to deal with the fact that she had misidentified who Jesus was, and it became or could have stayed a missed opportunity. Understand that in order for us to be delivered from ourselves and maximize the moment, we can't afford to miss Christ in any moment. Imagine being there with Jesus and Jesus says, can I get something to drink? And instead of being the servant to the chief servant, we begin to argue with him because of our relational distortions. But then Jesus says something that's interesting. He says, man, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And then he begins to give her a display of the essence of what he brings to the table. And so her misidentification of Jesus, led her to almost have a missed opportunity. Here's the point. When we don't allow God to deliver us from us, we get windows of opportunity that we close in our own face. The woman at the well almost did the same thing. Jesus says, hey, can I get something to drink? I'm thirsty. And instead of serving God in the flesh, She began to go based on the cultural norms of division and segregation rooted in worship. And she begins to deny the savior his request. I wonder how many times has God opened doors for us? Those of us who say we need to be delivered from people. How many times has God opened doors for us and we've shut the door because we didn't recognize God in the moment? Whew. Man, that's heavy. But you got to be careful not to miss God in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because there's windows I'm I'm a firm believer of windows of opportunity. I just am. I just am because I see them in scripture. Uh, And let me give you uh, an example of the passage we're going to deal with next in the next uh, podcast. Uh, The woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she heard about Jesus. I believe it's Mark's version of the story who addresses this. she heard about Jesus. Then she said to herself, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Then she pressed through the crowd, touched Jesus. And the story goes on from there. Here's the interesting thing she heard about jesus put confidence in what she said she got a word and it word birthed faith in her what would her life be like if she never believed off of what she heard Don't you know that when she heard about Jesus, that became her window of opportunity. When she saw him in the crowd, that became her another window of opportunity. When she pressed her way through and touched him, that was her window of opportunity. And when Jesus said, who touched me, she began the dialogue. We'll talk about it next time. And that was another window of opportunity. My question for you is some of us are so caught up in pointing the finger at our issues with people that we don't recognize. We're shutting heaven's windows of blessings every day because we don't see God in the moment. Why don't we see God in the moment? Because we don't see him because we refuse to see people. Oh, my goodness. There are people God is depositing in your life. Some of them may not even be believers. There are people God is using. There are people God is allowing to put pressure on your wisdom, on your strength, on your self-control. God is using those people to grow you up and to make you stronger and to make you better. And if you're not careful, you'll try to pray away the blessing God sent you because the blessing wasn't comfortable. The blessing didn't conform to what looks like you the blessing don't talk like you dress like you think like you act like you and since the blessing didn't come in an identifiable package for you you missed a big old window from heaven and the blessing you now shut in your own face you gotta recognize these opportunities God puts in your life and no matter what package it comes But look, there's three things I got to get. I got to get out your way. There's three things. There's three things that are dropped here. I'm only going to get to about two of these bad boys today. There's three things that God drops here. Jesus tells her, number one, you don't know who I am. Oh, my goodness. Number two, he says, you don't know what you need. And then number three, he says, you don't know what I have for you. He says, you don't know who I am, you don't know what you need, and you don't know what I have for you. Let me put a side little nugget here for you real quick. Number one, sometimes when you reject people and you make yourself an island, it becomes easy to miss who God is and who God is using. Because how do I how do I paint this picture for you? Oh. Uh. The reason Jesus was not received as the Messiah that had been prophesied of amongst the Jews is because he did not come on a big old beautiful horse and take over Roman Empire uh, that they thought he was going to. They thought he was coming high and mighty to swipe them from under the strength of the Roman Empire. But what they did not realize is Jesus was not simply interested in the political movement of the day alone but Jesus was interested in orchestrating a new element called grace that tied in with the law and introduced the fullness of God's plan for man and now salvation is birthed through those two elements and so now here we are rejecting the chief cornerstone because the package didn't come like we expected it to the question for me is do you really know who Jesus is Can you be in his presence and still not hear him? The Bible says that his sheep hear his voice and they begin to run after him. A stranger they will not follow. Why? Because his sheep have intimate time with him and they begin to know him. Question is, do you know God? While we're so quick to point out the weights and the burdens that people create in our lives, do I really know him for myself? Because as I know him, he does a work in me and delivers me from me and then works on me with people. Number two. Then he says, You don't know what you need. I love this thing. He like, Look, look, you don't understand. If you knew who I was, you'd have asked me for a drink, and I'd have gave you a drink that left you never to be thirsty again. what jesus has a tendency to do is to come in and disrupt the realization of who you are by giving you revelation of who he is so you can have a manifestation of who he called you to be (laughs) he comes in disrupts your whole game plan introduces to you who he is by way of revelation then you begin to get a manifestation of who he called you to be. Because when you know who he is, you begin to conform to who he is. And so here we are in a place where we have to get to the, the awakened hour, where we begin to recognize, I don't even know what I need for myself. The Bible compares our relationship to Jesus as shepherd and sheep. The shepherd had to think for the sheep. That's why scripture says he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The reason the shepherd led him by the still waters is simply because the shepherd understood sheep will not drink by troubled waters because they're so skittish and even though the sheep might be thirsty his fear will keep him from having what god has blessed him with sometimes when we look at our lives we think other things and people are the problem when all they are is the introduction of the problem but we don't realize we're living out the problem Because we don't even know what we need for ourselves. This woman thought she needed water from the well. She needed the well of Jesus Christ to give her life more abundantly so living water could flow out of her. She herself did not know what she needed. Jesus said, you didn't know me and you sure enough don't know what you need. So you don't know him. You don't know what you need. And lastly, you don't know what he has. It's interesting to me. He says, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for water. That brings eternal life and even water shall flow out of your bellies, rivers of living water. So if you knew who I was and you recognize what you really needed. Your request would be much bigger than it really is. Ugh. Come on, family, think about it. How many times have you minimized your request of God? Because you weren't even sure God was able to do what you needed him to do. Because you really didn't know him. Man, I've been there. Don't feel ashamed. <laughs> We've all been there. Scripture says exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. That's the capability of Jesus. So my thought is if I can think of, he could do that and more. So if I can think it, I can have it, because if I can think it, he can do it. And if he can do it, I can have it because all things work together for my good. And he supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory, not according to my need. Listen to that. He supplies my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He doesn't even supply my need according to my need. If that wasn't the case, he wouldn't say, prove me this day and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you might not have room enough to receive. Why would God pour out a blessing that's bigger than what I need? It's because God ordained me to be a lender, not a borrower, but I cannot have that mindset because I don't know him. I don't know what I really need. And lastly, I don't know what he has for me. I want you to think big. I want you to think bigger than being all by yourself and being comfortable with, I'm all right, I'm alone, I'm good, I don't need nobody. I want you to think about what God designed your life to be and who he ordained you to impact. I want you to think living alive, not living a lie, not living hidden. Not living subdued, but living abundantly. Man, my brothers and my sisters, I just want to encourage you number one, that in order for you to get delivered from people, God's going to rock your world and He's going to say, okay, but I got to deliver you from you first. When He does that, He causes you to deal with your relational distortions. Then what God does is He begins. To call out your misidentification of him that led to missed opportunities. He'll challenge who you know him to be. He'll challenge what you believe you need. And then he'll challenge (laughs) what you know he has for you. I want to encourage you. Ask God not to deliver you just from people. But start the process right. Ask God to deliver you from you. Pat, that's me. I'm praying it. Elder, serving in church, been in church all my life. God knows I need to be delivered from me. So listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify one of those three areas. Here's your homework assignment. I got an assignment for you. I want you to look at those three areas we talked about with the misidentification that led to missed opportunities, because I don't want you to have any more missed opportunities. That's not God's plan for your life. So I want you to number one, and I want you to write down which one you struggle with. Number one, do you struggle with knowing who God is? Write that down. Or do you struggle with knowing what you really need? Do you have distorted cravings for desires for what you need? Or number three, do you do you not know what God has for you? Have you watered down your request based on your limited perspective of who God is? Have you asked God for an apartment when he's (laughs) he's calling you a business owner to rent out apartments as you live in your own home? But your capacity is only a direct relationship of the revelation you have of who he is. Man, the woman with the issue of blood, powerful story. We're going to dig into it in the next few podcasts. But the only reason she could believe she could be made whole is because she heard of what Jesus had already done. And the revelation of who he is is what revealed to her the capacity for her healing. So it is for you. And so I want you to pray through these this week. That's what I want you to do. We're going to put some action with this stuff. I want you to pray through this. God, do I know who you are? And ask God to reveal himself to you. Then say, God, do I know what I really need? Reveal to me what I really do need. And then ask God, do I really know what you have for me? God, show me by way of revelation what you have for me. Well, my brothers and sisters, I'm getting ready to close in prayer with you as we close out this first uh, segment of probably going to be many more because I got I got six notes I need to drop on you. Then I got another four in the second portion. Uh, But I want to pray with you. I want to pray. Here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God will deliver you not from people, but from yourself. That God will deliver me, Patrick, from himself. (laughs) That God would help me get over my relational distortions. And that God would help me identify him in my windows of opportunity. Help me see him for who he is. And he help you know what you really need. And that he'll help us see what he has for us. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for your presence and your power. We thank you, God, that each listener is blessed and anointed of God. We thank you that each listener is drawing closer to you. Each listener has a craving for your word. Each listener has a craving for growth in their own life. Each listener has hope for their future. Each listener is not overwhelmed by the weight of our present culture's challenges, but each listener is encouraged by the manifestation of your power and the richness of your word. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. And I touch and agree with my brothers and my sisters who are listening over the airways and those watching on Facebook, whatever platform it's extended on. Father, we pray that, number one, that we would be delivered from ourselves. Yeah, that sinful human nature aspect of us that's limited in what it can produce. That craves the things of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. That part of us that is inhibited and withheld and stuck and trapped in this pattern of misidentification because we look through a lens that's uh, been established by our pain, not your word. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would deliver us from us, that we take some responsibility, not for what happened to us, but for what we decided to do with what happened. If we decided to live out the weight of what we experienced or if we decided to be free in you, Father, in the name of Jesus, help us get over our relational distortions. Help us not be racist, culturally biased, overly opinionated and classify people based on ignorance. But we open our hearts to hear what you may have to say, even through the vessels we, we think are unloved and unusable. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us identify you in each moment. We pray for no more missed opportunities, no more windows of heaven closing in our face by our own decision making. Father, we pray that we would get to know who you really are. That the revelation of who Jesus is would cause a trickle effect of revelation of who we really are in you. That we understand that we're destined not to do certain church stuff, but we're destined to be like Jesus. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us know what we really need. Help us not look for pacifiers and numbing agents, but we would really reach out for the richness of the washing of your word, the water of your Holy Spirit to cleanse and move and feel those empty places that we've been reaching for other things, uh, food and money and uh, other habits and functions, even church using it as pacifiers, but we're really not getting the nourishment we need because nothing can take your place. God, we need you. Show us who you are. Show us what we really need. And Father, finally, help us know what you have for us. No more minimizing our prayers. No more living below our means. But help us live abundantly, God. We submit this time to you. We thank you for the what you're doing in us. And God, we thank you that you're helping us live alive. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, my brothers and my sisters, God bless you. I'm looking forward to meeting with you on our next session. Listen, we're going to continue this dialogue on God delivering me from people. But first, we're going to finish this discussion on God delivering me from myself. I pray blessings over your life. And I know that God has much for you. Remember, be empowered, be encouraged and be equipped to live life abundantly. Let's live without limits. Live alive. God bless you. Family, we appreciate your support on the podcast. And we pray that you've been challenged and blessed by your time with us today. Now, remember, God's plan for you is abundance. So refuse to settle for less. And until next time, keep living.